The Old Testament lesson for this Christmas Day service is from the book of Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, beginning at verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson appointed for this Christmas day is from Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to whom of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospels according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. You may know that Matthew and Luke are the ones that tell us about the nativity of our Lord. But this is often said to be the nativity of John. As he speaks about the word becoming flesh. And that's really what Christmas Day is that we focus on. It's about God loving the world so much that he takes on flesh and blood so he might ultimately be our Savior. And so this is John's nativity story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only father, from the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is the most valuable gift that you have received or expect to receive this Christmas season? Hopefully it's something that you'll value for a long time so that you do not have the same experience as a young boy named Robert. Robert had asked for, he had asked Santa for a baby sister the year before. But now a year later he wrote Santa this note. Dear Santa, last Christmas I asked for a baby sister. This Christmas I want you to take her back. Now seriously, what is the most valued gift that you have received? Maybe in past Christmases. Or what is the most valued gift that you have received this Christmas, if you've already opened some of your gifts? Women, is it a diamond ring? Is it a sapphire studded necklace? Maybe it's a golden bracelet, pearl earrings. And men, what about you? Is it a black diamond ring or a white gold Rolex watch? Might I suggest to you that the most valuable, priceless, treasured Christmas gift that you have received or ever will receive is a white stone. In the book of Revelation, we read, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. What is the significance of the white stone? White stones and black stones were used by juries in ancient Greek courts. A juror would place a black stone into a bag if he thought that the accused were guilty. And if the juror thought that the accused was not guilty, he would place a white stone into the bag. In other words, a white stone was a vote for acquittal. The Lord promises to those who persevere unto the end that that is that those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior until their dying day will be pronounced not guilty, acquitted of all charges. It's quite a gift. There's no other gift quite like it. I mean, can you imagine a more priceless, valued gift to receive than a white stone from the Lord himself? This white stone is far more valuable than pearl earrings or a sapphire-studded necklace or a black diamond ring. The gift of a white stone is especially valued when we realize that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it this Christmas or for that many, any other time of the year. But what we really deserve is a black stone, a chunk of black coal indicating that we are guilty of our trespasses and sins as charged by the law of God. Bruce Liskey writes, 
The family tradition in our home was to hang stockings on the mantle a week before Christmas in the hope that the brownies, that is, mythical elves, would leave a small toy or a package of gum or some other goodie. But if we were bad, the mythical elf would leave a lump of coal. Well, one morning it happened to me, he writes. With a tear-stained face, I showed my mother the horrid piece of coal. My mother merely said, you got what you deserved. And I began to dwell on the words of Santa Claus as coming to town, which hauntingly says, you better watch out, he's making a list and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And what a joy I experienced that Christmas, unwrapping my presents and discovering that my parents gave me gifts, not because I deserved them, but because they loved me. You got what you deserved. Aren't you glad that that's not how our Heavenly Father relates to us? If we got what we deserved for our sinful way of life, for our naughty life, we would have black stones, wouldn't we? We'd probably have black stones piled higher than the highest mountain. If we got what we really deserved, we'd be separated from God forever. But the gift of a white stone assures us that our sins are forgiven and that we're acquitted of all charges against us, acquitted by God himself who serves as judge, jury, and savior. The gift of a white stone is especially appreciated when we realize the great lengths that the Lord went to make it possible for us to receive this gift of a white stone, this stone of pardon. In the gospel lesson for this morning, we heard, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, and He was God in the beginning, and that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Ellis Mosley tells the story of her niece, Hillary, who was an elementary school teacher and who was given the responsibility of producing a school Christmas pageant. Hillary told her students that if they forgot their lines, that they should just ad lib instead of standing there in awkward silence. And all went well until the three wise men made their appearance. Baby Jesus, here is your gold, said the first wise man. Baby Jesus, here is your frankincense, offered the second wise man. Well, the third wise man forgot the name of his gift, and he froze. Say anything, whispered Hillary from the wings. And the boy peered into the manger and he exclaimed, Oh, doesn't he just look like his dad? You see, that young wise man probably didn't realize how true his words are. Jesus, the unborn child in the womb of Mary, and who later, as an infant, nursed at her breast, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. That's what we heard the writer to the Hebrews write this morning. God's eternal Son became flesh. He who, being in very nature God, made himself nothing, writes St. Paul, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in appearance as a man, and he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. The white stone is even more appreciated when we realize what it cost the Lord. The white stone of acquittal cost God's son his life. I mean, the Lord could have chosen to leave us in our state of damnation, but our gracious God's heart is full of love for his creation, for you and for me, and he wants all people to be saved, to have life with him forever. And so God devised a costly plan. God's plan called for the death of his own son. For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God's Son willingly came into this world. He willingly took on flesh and blood with the purpose of being obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And all this God's Son did for you and me so that we might receive the gift of a white stone of acquittal. This white stone is first given to us when we're baptized or when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, maybe after we've heard the word or something. But on our baptism, you see, we were given not only a white stone, but we were given a new title. We were given the title of forgiven. Forgiven. For that's what we are, forgiven in the sight of our God. This white stone is given to us again and again in the form of a white wafer in Holy Communion as we eat the body of Christ that was broken in death for us. And friends, have your hand open when you arrive at the gates of heaven, so to speak, for your Savior will place into your hand a white stone of acquittal. And he will say, welcome to the place I prepared for you. At the conclusion of this service today, you're going to have the opportunity to take a white stone home. I'm going to have them set out there in the lobby. So as you leave the church, please pick up a white stone. And I hope that you'll put this white stone into your pocket or maybe into your purse or into the coin holder in your car. And every time you look at it, I pray that you'll remember that the white stone is a sign that our Lord Emmanuel has acquitted you of all your sins. You are pardoned. God remembers your sin no more. And you're forgiven. Not because God overlooks your sin. You're forgiven because Jesus, God's Son, bore your sins in God's condemnation for them. And I hope when you're sitting around with your family and your friends and they, they ask you, what did you receive for a Christmas gift this season? That you'll respond by saying, well, I received a priceless gift, a most valued treasure. I received a white stone. I received a white stone from God. And this white stone is a sign that through Christ Jesus, born in Bethlehem, all my sins are forgiven, and heaven is God's eternal gift to me. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.